on the Climate Change Quotidian, Mark Antony. Today's going to be a short CCQ episode around policy and personnel in the Trump administration. At the top of the show, I discuss personnel appointed to fill his cabinet positions related to energy and the climate, his policies, and parallels between now and Ronald Reagan, then some closing remarks on what you can do to get involved. There is an established message around climate change held by many people on the right. It sounds like this. Well, I'm not a big believer in man-made climate change. It could be some impact, but I don't believe it's uh, a devastating impact. Trump holds true to the same orthodox Republican perspective on climate change. And by now, you may have heard or at least read who Trump has appointed for some key positions related to the environment and climate change. The chair of the EPA is decided to be Myron Ebel, a notorious climate skeptic. The Secretary of Interior is up for weight right now, going between an oil executive, Forrest Lucas, a venture capitalist, a natural gas entrepreneur, some former governors, and of course, none other than the former Alaska governor herself. Energy is my baby. Oil and gas and minerals, those things that God has dumped on this part of the earth. Sarah Palin. And for Secretary of Energy, Harold Hamm a CEO of a $353 million oil and natural gas exploration company. So if his personnel aren't scary enough, well, what he intends to do on his first 100 days also sheds light on his policy. Here's his message. 1. Lift restrictions on energy reserves, including shale, oil, natural gas, and coal. 2. Allow energy infrastructure projects like the Keystone Pipeline to move forward. 3. Cancel billions to payments to UN climate change programs programs from the Paris Climate Agreement, which is our international handshake on climate change action. So just so I can get it down, what's your name? Oh, no. My name is Hussam Mahmoud, and I uh, work as an energy engineer. Is that okay? And after the election, we were chatting, and he explained to me what it actually means for us to back out of the climate change agreement in Paris. We're just trying to mitigate it by two degrees. We're trying like to only limit it to a two degrees increase in thirty in twenty thirty. And it's it's very hard, you know, we have to reach like incredible goals and someone then comes and and, and say like no the US is going to pull off the Paris Agreement, you know, after like finally, you know, like according to everyone, like the US is is considered like a leader. U.S. wouldn't sign any climate agreements before the Paris Agreement, right. so nobody would yeah, really yeah, care. Exactly, you know? exactly. And when finally, like everyone cheered so much, everyone followed this agreement so much because finally, you know, uh, we knew that the U.S. would sign, and we knew that this is a sign that a lot of war of other countries would follow. You know, because they see if, if the U.S. did that, you know, they're usually the benchmark. If the U.S. doesn't care about the environment, then the, it's not important. You know I what know. I mean? So yeah. Trump threatening to pull out of the UN Framework Convention on Climate Change, or even our INDC towards doing something at the Paris Climate Agreement, is a big deal, and it means something to the international world. So, while the outlook on climate under a Trump presidency does look grim, it does also deserve some historical context, because none of this is unprecedented. So here's a little story. During the Reagan administration, James G. Watt was appointed the Secretary of Interior, This too was controversial, and Watt was surely an anti-environmentalist. During his reign, he was charged with wanting to eliminate the Land and Water Conservation Fund, easing regulations on oil and mining, and recommended lease of wilderness and shorelands to explore and develop oil and natural gas. Not only was he anti-environmental, but he too spouted some similar xenophobic language as Trump. 
For example, a controversy erupted after a speech Watt made to the U.S. Chamber of Commerce in September 1983, when Watt mocked affirmative action, describing the diversity of the member of the U.S. Commission on Fair Market Value Policy for Federal Coal Leasing with this dunderheaded description. We have every kind of mix you can have. I have a black, I have a woman, two Jews and a cripple. Not even in the 1980s was that type of language acceptable, and Watt resigned within weeks of making the statement. While Watt is mostly regarded for controversy, his memory lives on in repercussion, a karma per se. In 1995, Watt was indicted on 25 counts of felony perjury and obstruction of justice by a federal grand jury. Watt also wasn't the only member of the Reagan administration to share anti-environmental sentiment. Reagan appointed Ann Korsuch as the administrator of the EPA. During her administration, she cut the budget of the EPA by 22%, reduced the number of cases filed against polluters, relaxed Clean Air Act regulations, facilitated the spraying of restricted uses of pesticides, and cut the total number of EPA employees while hiring staff from industries they were supposed to be regulating. Interestingly, during her reign over the EPA, Congress charged the EPA had mishandled $1.6 billion in toxic waste from Superfund sites and demanded records from Gorsuch. Gorsuch refused and became the first agency director in U.S. history to be cited for contempt of Congress. So, while both of Reagan's appointees were criminals, they were also touting similar rhetoric around environmental policy and climate change as Donald Trump and his proposed administration. So while it may seem like the Reagan administration would have done things entirely bad for the environment, they actually did do something surprisingly good. And it came down to not arguing against putting restrictions on ozone-depleting chemicals. Reagan thought it's not a place to argue, and he turned to U.S. industry for a solution. Although choosing the DuPont Company, which was regarded for not believing humans could actually have an effect on the ozone, they came up with a replacement chemical that was done quickly and cheaply. As matters turned out, the action worked well and actually became the basis for the Montreal Protocol, which is widely regarded as the world's most successful environmental treaty. So where there may look like a pile of haters for the environment, history tells us that we shouldn't pigeonhole conservative administrations. They too can get things done though it may be a surprise. While Trump's personal plans may stand in contrast with what our current president has done, like appoint progressive EPA administrators, Gina McCarthy, we can't forget the direction of change that we're headed towards, regardless of an administration that supports climate change action, like President Obama's. The U.S. already wasn't doing enough for climate change action. As the largest polluters of greenhouse gases, the weight of responsibility on our shoulders is immense. Despite Trump's election, even if the U.S. followed our promise at the Paris Climate Summit, the outcome would be bad, and, as some folks say, potentially catastrophic. What that does mean is that our goal of the Paris Climate Agreement, to stay below a 2 degrees Celsius warming, would fail. So perhaps rather than rage against the machine at Trump, we all need to ask ourselves whether the status quo in the U.S. was working for climate change action. A Trump presidency doesn't mean our planet is doomed, and although this might not make you feel any better, our planet is already set on a bad course. Dump Trump or not.
not going to leave it on such a negative note on our way out. Here are three things you can do to make a difference. Remember, we have momentum on our side. Renewable energy infrastructure has exceeded fossil fuels, and this technology isn't going anywhere during a Trump administration. Call me crazy, but go out and buy a solar panel and put it on your house. You may think that sounds lofty, too difficult, but it's easy. I did it with my dad this summer, and I was shocked at how simple and cheap it was. Give it a go. Go. Now. Buy one. Two. Remember, the biggest climate policy initiatives in the USA are regional. California and the northeastern U.S. have cap-and-trade systems on carbon. There are regional initiatives that a Trump administration can't take away, but that could use your support. If you live on the Atlantic side of the USA, go to Regional Greenhouse Gas Initiative and find your program contact. Check out their success stories and get involved with one of them. Three, sign the White House petition to not allow Myron Ebel to lead the EPA transition. This guy is a notorious climate skeptic, a guy who used to work for Philip Morris and propagated the idea of safe cigarettes after realizing how dangerous cigarettes were for human health. This guy doesn't even support the Endangered Species Act. Sign the petition for Trump to find somebody else. Anybody else. You can find the petition by googling Petition Myron Ebel and going to the petitions.whitehouse.gov page. Don't sit in despair. Listen to our queen. I have one thing to say. You better work. Music for today's show brought to you by Niles. War paint and bringing us out is John Zhang's Dust My Shoulders. I study climate change. Like I literally... Oh, do you, Mr. Anthony? Tune in next time. Bye!